Hi, everybody. My name is Kara McCarran, and I'm the host of She's the Owner podcast. On this podcast, we're going to be featuring female founders who are at any part of their entrepreneurial journey. We will ask them the same 10 questions and see where the conversation takes us. Hey, everybody. It's Kara with the uh, She's the Owner podcast. And we have a friend of mine who I met through the Tony Robbins community. I know I say that probably every episode, but it's an amazing community and we're a family. And so um, I, I love bringing them on because there's always something really important and um, there's always nuggets that are dropped. So Veronica Caras, am I pronouncing that correctly? Caras, that's how I want to say it, but... Caras, you got it close, okay. really close. I like saying it with rolling the R. Um, so yeah, welcome to the show. And I'm glad we finally connected uh, and are able to do this. So tell us a little bit about your business, the name of your company and what you do um, and all that fun stuff. And then we'll kind of dig into some questions and just see where things head Thanks, Kara. And thank you so much for having me on. I listened to the podcast, so it's an honor to be here. It's sort of like a full circle thing for me, and I absolutely love it. Um, I think it's brilliant. And, you know, uh, so I'm a financial advisor. I'm a certified financial planner, and I'm independent. So I'm a registered investment advisor. I'm a practice within CapTrust, which is the largest uh, fiduciary in the country when it comes to financial plans. I'm also a business owner and have a financial coaching and life coaching practice. And I'm author of the book, Money Matters, Everything You Should Have Learned in School But Didn't, because I have a really big passion around uh, financial literacy. I'm actually working on the second book. So my call right before this was with my publisher for my second Amazing. book, Kind of Wild. Um, but yeah, that's what I do. I, um, I had the really, really awesome and awkward pleasure of joining the financial field in 2008. Uh, which was a really fun time. <laughs> um, and I started in life insurance and life insurance sales was not my cup of tea um, and eventually and found my way to a registered investment advisor um, and, and, you know, have, uh, have worked for one for a really long time and just been partnered up with one. Um, I would love to at some point be on my own, but honestly, compliance is so expensive in the financial mm. field that it almost doesn't make sense to run my own financial firm. Let's say that. Um, but it's been a male, you know, one of the reasons we're starting this is it's been a male, it's a male dominated field for sure. So in my company, which is one of the larger companies in the U S we're 22% women, partially because we just acquired a firm in Texas that was 100% women. So they boosted our numbers up quite a bit. Um, and in general, only 23% of all uh, certified financial planners are women still. Wow. So, okay, so I'm, I'm just going to do, so I guess the first thing that I would, that I'm curious about is, did you always know, was this always your passion? Did you come from, like when you were little and you're thinking, this is what I want to be when I grow up, what was kind of like the thing that stuck out? And interestingly enough, I've had quite a few guests female guests who wanted to be veterinarians or something in the care kind of space. So what did you want to be when you were little and you're thinking, this is what I want to do? So when I was little, I wanted to be a pediatric oncologist. Sounds about right. <laughs> um, I wanted to help little kids with 
cancer. And part of the reason is honestly, when I was younger, for some reason, my best friend and I got onto the series of books by Laureline McDaniel. And they were great, really well-written books, but they were all about kids with cancer. Oh, so I wanted to save the world of kids with cancer. Um, but I'll tell you, I do have a very personal story of how I got in this field and why I do it and why it's so important to me. So my family actually immigrated here from, uh, Belarus in 1994. We came here as Jewish refugees and my grandparents didn't speak any English, but they both ran a mental institution in Belarus in case you want to know where fun dinners were when I was growing up and still, (laughs) um, but my grandfather walked into a local bank. Um, and spoke to the only Russian speaking person there. And my grandpa's life savings was something like $40,000 that he was able to bring to the United States, right? He was in his 60s at the time. And so he walked into the bank and asked for advice. And the gentleman who sold, who worked with him sold him something like nine annuities across $40,000 in assets. I'm not going to get into the financial terms of that, let's just say he was doing it for a commission. And so now as a teenager, something like 17, 18, maybe a little bit younger, my grandfather was like, hey, you've been in this country long enough. You know English better than I do. Can you look at this and tell me what it is that I have? And some of it was like really awful, like 20-year surrender periods with a 1% guaranteed return and like huge charges and just, just bad financial advice. And so... I was starting college around then, and I really just wanted to understand what in our financial system and legal system allowed somebody to do that, to sell product, like clearly taking advantage of an older immigrant man, right? Like you would think they'd have to give the right advice, but that's just not the case in our system. So I was really committed to be like the one person who saved someone's grandfather from that kind of experience. That's sort of why I do what I do. And if I can help, you know, at least one person, like my grandfather's in his 80s, he's 83, and he's still working. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, if I can help someone not have that experience, like that's just everything to me. That's beautiful. And it, it's unfortunate that it happens. But then, it gives women and people like you purpose, right? And so, yeah. and I always talk about that when, because there's a lot of times that people will do things to chase the money and like that, the guy at the bank, right? I mean, that's his whole purpose was to make money and make commission off your grandfather. And I always say, if you follow your passion, the money will show up. And often, or I would say 100% of the time when women especially will say, well, I don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't know this. I don't know that. But once you settle and get into, let's, you know, we'll talk about feminine energy. Once you get into that, that's when you start to discover what you're passionate about. And our head will always tell us to do something for the commission or do something for the money or do something for blah, blah, blah. But like, I find when you get into your heart and you seem very in your heart about that, and it's, and it's a beautiful thing to witness, but that's not what's in my heart to do financial, you know, I would like protecting people from their, you know, potentially being scammed and all that sort of thing. I don't want that to happen, but that's not in my heart. It's in your heart and it's your feminine energy talking. So let's talk a bit about that. I mean, you work in a predominantly male and masculine energy environment. And I talk about that a lot where even as a woman you know, who does a lot of networking and traveling and I have to be in my masculine or men have, not all men, of course, but men have 
physically taken advantage of me and done other things. So talk about your industry and how you've had to show up in that way. And did you, before, let's say before Tony Robbins, were you even aware of the fact that this was masculine energy or were you just like, this is how I got to be? So before, there's a lot to unravel there. Before Tony Robbins, I really hadn't tapped into you know, the big reason I was doing this or why I cared. And I was sort of a junior in my field. I think I really kept my own, got in my own way in terms of success in my field, because I had all these stories around, I'm too young. I'm just a young girl. No one's going to want financial advice for me. All of that kind of thing. Cause when you're like 24 years old and telling a multimillionaire, this is what you should do with your assets. There's a lot of potential blockage around. Um, which working through a lot of the skills that, you know, we've learned with Tony Robbins, like that's just garbage. Um, and I was so set on proving myself with certifications and degrees. I remember at some point I really wanted to get a PhD cause I thought it would, you know, like really prove to people that I knew what I was talking about. And then what I did and, and, you know, being in a male dominated field, And being a young woman in a male-dominated field, people kind of look at you forever as like you're an assistant, (laughs) Mm. right? Like there's a secretarial aspect to that. So like even in my like local firm now, we have a lot of female advisors and still for the most part, they're viewed as secondary advisors to this more senior male advisors. and they're brilliant. Like I work with some really like brilliant women, you know, and they, they handle everything. <laughs> um, it's just the view. And so like part of it was stepping into my own power and realizing like I can do whatever it is that I really want to do and how I show up and, um, and almost using my uh, both aspects of masculine and feminine energy. So when it comes to clients, I have one question that I like continuously tell clients like, the, the one thing that sets me aside from everybody else is I will care more about my client than anybody else. Like I love them. They're like family to me. To me, it's literally like when I'm giving someone advice, I'm literally for, you know, it was this advice that I would give my mom, my grandfather, whoever, right. To Like nobody can care the way I care is like my whole thing. Um, but when it comes to, you know, interpersonal relationships in the workplace or relationships in general, that's when I really like step into my masculine energy and like draw lines around. This is my book of business. This is my practice. This is the support I need. And I have no qualms about, you know, whether I'm a female or a male at the end of the day, I'm bringing in business. So it doesn't matter what, like how long my hair is. Right. So it's sort of like a running joke. And, you know, the senior people in my company are still all male. And part of that is, you know, percentages, right? If you have 23% women, how, you know, how, how high are you going? But in financial advice, there's been so many studies done about how female advisors are generally more successful and keep their clients longer and have a stronger bond with clients and their families than male advisors significantly because we care more about the personal aspect of, of the person's life generally. That's a, yep. like a feminine energy thing. And it becomes easier to build that close knit relationship. So like for me, I have family relationships where I have 
four generations of a family all as my clients because I, uh, you know, I got to know them. I got to know the whole family and they've be, you know, I, I care about them. Like I'm related to them or they're related to me. Um, so it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting paradigm because it's almost like wearing two different hats, you know, Mm -hmm. when you step into your feminine energy and I bring that out in client discussions where I'm like, yeah, I can talk to you all about your investments and ETFs and all that stuff all day. That's technical stuff. But the, the feeling stuff you're not going to get from anybody else, you know? Um, thank you for that. That's like a beautiful description of why I think there's so much room for feminine energy to be brought into the workplace. And I think, you know, there's still this misconception of it's um, being girly and it's not what we're talking about. We're not talking yeah. about being girly. We're not talking, cause I mean, you know me, I'm a hard ass too. Like when I, when shit needs to get done, even when we crew together, I'm, we're both like, let's get this done. And there's so much um, beauty in that as a, as a businesswoman, business owner, leader, because we do have to do those things. But I think people still get it twisted that, um, and I'm not trying to dog on the men. I, you know, men, I love you, but it's still this old fashioned way of thinking that we're emotional, you know, and we're over emotional and all these things that you think that feminine energy brings, but really it brings dollars in the front door. Like if we want to talk real talk about it, I've been in sales since I was 20 and I could outsell any guy because I sell in my feminine energy. And the moment I dip into my masculine energy, I'm lost. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm trying to read scripts or I'm trying to do shit that's not comfortable to me. But as soon as you get, or I get into my feminine energy and I have that conversation, I'm my coach, she, she accidentally heard me selling once for the content company, which is my other company. And I got off the phone and she was like, what the hell? Like, you're good. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you're friggin' master. And she says, you're a master at it. I'm like, dude, it's not, it isn't, I'm not doing anything. I'm, I'm literally curious and want to know about that client. Like I actually want to know. I'm not yeah. putting it on. And it sounds like that's, that's what you're doing. So what, when you think about what's the most, you talked about two, wearing two different hats and like, obviously that's what this whole movement of she's the owner is, is teaching women how to reconnect with their feminine energy, but also keep kicking ass in business. So when you talk about the different hats, like outside of work, let's say when you're done and I know, were you at date with destiny this year? Okay. Yeah. So I've heard Sage talk about when she, when she needs to get back in her feminine after she's been out working, she'll come home and water is a really big thing for her and changing her clothes. Do you, is it conscious when you're leaving work? I mean, obviously now you've been at home for, uh, feels like 10 years, but in a normal situation, when you are done at the office and you're coming home and you've had to be in your masculine, are you conscious of that shift that needs to happen? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Even now I think I'm conscious of it even more so being home because it's the switching gears from, you know, (laughs) I'm a boss (laughs) to, um, I'm Veronica. Right. And, you know, part of it is you'll see behind me. I have a little bit of an orchid Mm. obsession. They're gorgeous. (laughs) Um, I have like 12 of them in the house. My husband's going to go nuts one of these (laughs) days, but, um, I love them. And so, One of the things that, you know, for me, um, really, um, on a regular day, I'll say it this way, on a regular day when I'm coming back from the office, I have music that I play that like is dancey and like 
you know, like girly for lack of a better term. Um, that really helps me, you know, just unwind on the flip side. I have music on my way to work that helps wind me up. Right. Um, because you're coming out of two different zones. I'll also say that I have, I just have rituals around it. So plants as an example, or I pointed to are one of my rituals. Like you'll, I usually, when I end the work day here at home, now that we've been working home from home three months a day, when I water my plants, I always make this joke and people think I'm ridiculous, but I literally say, I love you. Thank you to my plants as I'm yep. watering them or spraying them with water. Right. And there's science, there's some science around that. But to me, that I love you, thank you, as I'm saying it to my plants, also applies to myself, like, because I'm, right. I'm going, I'm doing the motions and say, I love you, thank you, I love you, thank you, I love you, thank you. And so, yes, I wear different clothes, I change, I change into clothes in the morning, I change out, even though I'm home, I have, you know, and to be honest, um, I don't have such a suited up workplace, I wear suits for meetings, but generally, like, we're pretty, you know, whatever you want yeah. type of thing. Um, but you know, more rituals for me are like taking my makeup off is sort of like removing that, that workday face, like that kind of thing. I have certain things that like I do every day in the morning to wind myself up. And, you know, when I get back to wind myself down, that's that amazing. I love that. And I think, so ladies that are listening, you know, I think one of the things that I hope the shift happens is that just recognizing what Veronica just said, and that's that there's, it's, we're not ever saying you can't be both and that it's, you know, one or the other because it isn't, but just recognizing gently. So what happens when you come home, let's say in your masculine energy, and I can speak to this, I'm sure Veronica can too. Um, her husband's uber sweet though. Didn't he just throw you like a Harry Potter scavenger hunt thing? Like yeah, we're obsessed. So, we're obsessed with Harry Potter in this house. So um, yeah, so I am also. My husband totally surprised me. I was being a little whiny one day, and I was like, "I'm just tired of being home. Like, I miss." And I, the word I actually used was, "I miss dating. Like, I miss yeah. just like the act of going out and having somewhere to go and like doing something." And like, it was actually towards one of my single friends who was like, you must not miss dating at all. I'm like, I miss dating, but I meant it not like I miss dating a lot of people. I miss just like doing things. And so my husband heard and he was like, I know you've been feeling like you're cooped up. Cause I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a on the go type person mm-hmm. and I like exploring different things. And, um, so he set up a whole scavenger hunt around our house that was Harry Potter themed and got like really detailed. Like he got, I saw it. I was dying. Font. It was got, so like, good. The wax seal things for the um, envelopes and like made the, got Legos. So it was, it was yep. just sort of a cute thing to build like one of the little parts of the castle. And ultimately it all led to, um, this beautiful chest and box that had like a beautiful necklace in it that said like on the, it's like a beautiful purple one, uh, heart. And it says like, I love you always and forever, like engraved on it. And it was just like, it was perfect in that, in that moment, but also really just a beautiful gift that he gave me in so many. Right. And that's it. Like what, so when we, when we're on our way home, it's important. So like a lot of women might come home from a work day, let's say, and have that experience and not appreciate it because they're not understanding that that's, you needed to be in your feminine to really honor that and appreciate that because 
what happens is in our masculine, we tend to criticize. And so if a woman is constantly, I mean, we learned this together in December, you know, the three ways to put a man in his feminine, <laughs> criticize him, try to control him and close off from him emotionally and physically. But like, you know, if you've had a long day and you're in your masculine and you're on your way home, and obviously right now it's different, but you're decompressing and you come through the door in this energy that is not feminine, that interaction won't go as well. And I think it's important that we, like, that's a, that was really beautiful and thoughtful thing that he did. And it, you may have been, you know, had a shitty day and come in and not loved it as much, but because you're so aware, you were able to switch into that feminine gear. Um, so talk a little bit about, so what does your husband do? Like what's, so he's in finance. Know, but, he's in he's on the yeah. corporate side of finance and data regulation. It's it's sort of like people are like, oh, you guys are in the same field. We're in really different fields. He's on like advising large banks on meeting Federal Reserve regulations, and I'm working one on one with people. So it's mm -hmm. really different. Yeah, totally but, different. But I'll tell you that um, my husband's and I relationship wasn't always like this. That's another thing that actually got turned around by Tony. Is um, we used to be. Um, and I'll take the onus, especially me. I used to be in a horse trading relationship where I used to count all the stuff that I did. Like I did the dishes and I did yep. the laundry and I walked the dog and like, what did you do for our house? Right. Right. And we used to have this habit of both coming home from work and we both have demanding jobs in different ways. So he manages a group of people in a corporate bank and I have male supervisors and also sometimes difficult clients, female or male, right? And so we had this habit of coming home and rather than creating this sacred space of beautiful energy and love, we would vent out to each other. Mm. And it got, it almost got to a point before we both went to date with Destiny. Actually, it was his first event. I dragged him to date with Destiny. Oh my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Of, in 2018, where we started creating like rituals that protected both his masculine and my feminine at the same time. So like if we do vent to each other, we spend an equal amount of time in gratitude, appreciating everything. There's no more horse trading. It's not like he gave me a scavenger hunt and now he's waiting for me to do something for him. Um, but I, you know, I want to, it's just not, no one's sitting around counting um, and we, and we stopped this habit of being the people we unload to, mm. um, and started looking at each other as like the sacred, happy place we got, get to come home to. And notice the language there. Around. The language that you just used was beautiful. Get <laughs> to come home to. Yeah. Like you change your language, change your life. And that was beautiful because a lot of people wouldn't have used that word, but that's a beautiful word. So what, what type of rituals besides the non-venting? Like, do you have specific, like, how do you protect his masculine? Talk a bit about that. Um, so uh, when it comes to home stuff, I have no, I, I can't even phrase this correctly, adequately, I think, because I have no need, desire, or want to control anything about our house or what happens in it or when things happen or anything else. Like I come home and I follow his lead. You know, right. I sort of just like let go. And for me, that's a big feminine decompression thing of just like letting go and letting somebody else, yeah. you know, like take the reins because 
I do so much leading in my work day that for me, it's relaxing. Exactly. And for him, uh, he feels like he does a lot of catering towards other people, like having to, you know, be politically correct and sort of play the corporate game that coming home and just being like, we're doing this, this, and this for him is relaxing. Right. So right. that's kind of a, a, I think a masculine, uh, feminine shift. I do a lot of things like my husband is one of those typical thing, typical men where he's like, you know, the way to his heart is through his stomach. So I yep. cook his favorite meals and like, I support him any way that I can. And look, we all have bad days. So it's, it's never perfect, right? We all have good days. We all have bad days. Um, and it's not about that. It's just about acknowledging. And so sometimes just that awareness, right? Like some, the, the venting is a good example, just cause we had it going on for so long that sometimes we're like, wow, we just spent 30 minutes talking about this. And one of us will like flip the script, uh, like reflexively, what was great about today. Right. Mm-hmm. So rather than like, here's all the shit, take all right. of my shit off of me. It's, it's just what was great about today. Let's focus on that. What are three things that were great about this day? Or if you had difficulty yeah. with someone, what are three things you can appreciate about that person? Okay. Now tell me about your day. Right. Right. Cause now you're thinking and talking through it through a different lens. So does, is he, has he always been, so what I find in my relationship is that he, my husband knows these things on an intellectual level, but he's not, he's not living them in his body and he's, and it's, it tends to be my practice that I invite him into. And sometimes he comes to the party and sometimes he doesn't, but he never comes to it on his own. So how do you, was your husband always that way where he would help you flip the script? Would, is he? No. So tell, tell us and ladies sort of how, how you got him to, to be there. I know, I think I know the answer, but let's hear it. Uh, the real answer, the, the real answer is I got there and he followed along. I think it just had to do honestly with going to date with destiny. I think just when you learn it together and theoretically, it becomes easier to action and practice. I wish that I had a clearer answer than that. But I also think if part of it is being comfortable calling each other out. So like, Mm -hmm. which is really what I think happened at date with destiny is like, we kind of, um, you know, if he's really negative for a period of time, like just being like, Hey, you're stuck in this. This is a cycle. Like you're just stuck in this negative thing and you're not going to solve the problem this way or whatever the case may be, or he'll call me out and be, you know, sometimes I'll still have those days. Like I'm so tired and I did these seven things. Could you please just whatever? And he's like, you could just ask me to do what you want me to do without listing all the things you've already done. Ken said that to me yesterday. (laughs) He's like, you could just ask me to wipe the counter. And I'm like, right, I could. Yeah. That's a, that's a faster way to get where I want to go. Yeah. He was like, just ask me to walk the dog. If that's what you need right now, you don't need to tell, you don't need to give like justify why you're asking me that. Right. Um, So it's those things where you're just like, you get comfortable and you create a language around it. And I think Mm -hmm. that was also super helpful. It's something I learned from Sage, just having a word where like, you know, if if some things are getting crazy where you can take a time out and you can be silly and like our thing is like eating Ben and Jerry's ice cream when we're like both overwhelmed and straight stressed and not in a good head state, like really bad where we're like, we're arguing and stuff like that. We're just like, we just have like, a fish food timeout, which is a Ben and Jerry's flavor. (laughs) Um, 
you know, it's like a silly thing. It doesn't happen often, but it's something where you're like, okay, we need cooler heads here. We need right. a, a way to, to deal with this. That's not, you know, the world is ending because right. it's usually not. No. And I think, I think the language around that, and, and that was the answer that I was sort of thinking would be, would be it is that, you know, it, the frustration and and for me right now the frustration is is that we we're not speaking the same language he's never gone to an event he's watched a few youtube videos but he really relies on me to kind of clunk the information over the head and drag it back in the house and then have the sort of teach him and educate him because he's doesn't want to go and i'm at a point where it's like the communication's becoming really difficult because i can say what I think is happening or I could do a call out, but then the call, it's not the same. The call out is more imbalanced. It feels like he feels like maybe I'm attacking him. Whereas really I'm just doing a call out and I want the same call out, but then it comes out as an attack because he's not understanding that vernacular necessarily. So I think it is important. You know, I always talk about, we have to surrender as women and we do. And and surrendering is when you come in the door you know, and you're happy to just let him navigate. It's that's relaxing, that's surrendering. But I think it's important that both people are really trying to up level in some way. You can't have one person trying to up level and the other not because it does get frustrating. And then you start to think, well, is this feminine thing really worth it? Or maybe I should, you know, and, and that all that because it's, it's not, it's sometimes, I don't want to say it's not natural, but. I've been in my masculine since I was 10. I wrote a blog about it, why I am the way I am in this way where I'm uber controlling of situations. So for me at 44, that's 34 years of me being in charge. It's not easy. And so when I drop that, those bags at the door, I really want to make sure that the person's there to pick them back up and understand what the next move is. So, um, yeah, it's it's all a wonderful little journey, and it's uh, but it's always constant learning, right? I think a lot of people think when they talk to us that we like it's a destination. It's not. Personal development is not. It's always evolving. So, talk a bit about um, your personal development journey, and kind of maybe talk a bit about how you got into Tony Robbins. Um, yeah, just yeah. in general. I, I don't know if I even know this story, so share that with us. So, yeah, so I'll share it, but. One quick thing, one of the things that really helped me in our relationship in general is, you know, Tony always says, trade your expectations for appreciation and your whole world changes. And so like, I released completely the idea that my husband is going to do anything at all. Right. Like, I was just like, all right, he's going to just sit around and do nothing. And everything above that, I should be grateful for. Right. Yep. And not even in like, he's not the type. So my husband is like a clean freak. He's awesome. He takes care of everyone. He fixes anything in our house. He like, he is fixes, he like YouTubed how to fix toilets. Like he'll go above and beyond yeah. um, to, to fix things. So my husband is not that person. But if you treat every little thing that somebody does as, as going above and beyond and find ways to be grateful for it, it changes the dynamic of the relationship, right? So like in your example of like, if you come home and you drop the bags, you know, you need to know someone's going to pick them up. Yeah. The reality is what if somebody only picks up half a bag and you can be grateful for that, right? It's like those little tiny things. Yeah, for sure. That for me personally were huge shifts, right? Um, 
my Tony Robbins journey. So um, I had uh, some sexually related trauma growing up in my, in my childhood, um, childhood-ish, 19. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and I um, was not in a good place. So my first Tony Robbins event was um, July of 2016. Um, and I was sitting in like the far back corner of the stadium, like all the way in the back. And I was watching, you know, I knew Tony, I knew Tony Robbins just because like I had listened, I had watched ER with my mom as a kid and he had infomercials on in the middle of the night. Yep. That's where I knew Tony from. But I found out he was coming to town and I was like, Hey, let's welcome fire. You know, like it wasn't, (laughs) I didn't put that much thought into it. Um, But, you know, so I was sitting all the way back there and I'm watching everybody play full out, right? Like one of the first things they tell you is like, you have to play full out. Right. And I could not. And it was this huge Hmm. roadblock for me that weekend Um, in general. Like I walked on fire. I was fine. I set goals. I was all like happy and rah-rah and dancing. But when you had the exercises of going deep, I was shut down completely. Part of it's related to my upbringing. Like, you know, we, as I said, we came here as immigrants. Nobody cared. Like, not that everybody loved me and everybody cared for me, but my emotions and my emotional right. states and problems that I had, like, everybody around me had bigger problems than right. whatever was going on in my childhood. And so, like, I got really good at keeping my feelings in and suppressed. Mm. Um, and then when the sexual assault happened when I was 19, I didn't talk to anyone about it. It's actually the first time I'm talking about it on camera at all, to be Thank frank. You. And I, um, I shut that down too. I didn't tell anybody about it when it happened. Uh, my husband, when my husband and I started dating, it was one of the first times I started even talking about it, which was, you know, six years later. Um, and I was really like, um, I don't want to say angry. But I was really like, there must be something wrong with me that weekend. I didn't come out of that weekend like, oh, my God, I'm amazing. Like, the world is my oyster. I came out of that weekend like, I have a lot of emotional baggage that I need to figure out and grow through. Because there was so many exercises that I could not do. I literally, like, I was stuck. Like, my like my mind wouldn't go there. It just refused. And so like, I had all these limiting beliefs, like I'm not average. I'm not enough. I, and I tapped into that, but figuring out like where that came from or what that really means or anything like that, no clue. And so I went home that weekend and like committed afterwards to personal development. Like I was reading every book. I was reworking my UPW workbook. Like it was my you know, my other nine to five job. Like I was really serious about breaking through these like self-created walls because I realized that, you know, there are so many things. The one thing I did realize that weekend, there's so many things about my life that were a little superficial for me. Like every relationship that I had wasn't as deep. Like some of my friendships go back to when I was four or five years old. And while we're friends, I felt like they had never seen me be vulnerable. Or they had never, like, I never even felt comfortable telling them about what happened or like anything like that. So I couldn't understand why I had all of these walls around me and couldn't really play full out. And so 
I spent the next year and a half uh, basically devoting my life to breaking down my own walls and figuring out who the hell I am. <laughs> That's, That's the reality amazing. of it. You know, I felt like I was just average. No one's going to buy anything from me. No one's going to care, whatever. And I literally like, like read every Tony book, saw every YouTube video, did all of the work, went through personal power like 70 times. <laughs> like it was just an insane amount of personal development work. And then the ne my next event, I was actually crewing. So I created New York a year and a half later or whatever it was. And I can't, I got to come back as a different person. I sat through, you know, when you're crew, they say, if you need a Dickens process in your life, you can sit through it. I did the Dickens process that time and actually felt like real genuine emotion about my life, got excited about where I was heading, like literally turned my life or, like around, like, you know, like, I like, I joke, you know, when I, my first Tony event, I was a finance, I was in the financial field, but I was in debt. I was basic. I was single, like really single, um, and not happy about it. My, I didn't have good relationships with my family at all. I didn't have good relationships with my coworkers, my friends, my friend relationships, even the longer term ones seemed or felt to me after that weekend, really superficial. And like, mm. since then I'm married, I've bought a house, I'm out of debt. I've published books. I've all of my relationships are amazing. I'm so connected. I've healed all of the relationships with my family. I'm a spiritual person. So before I used to not believe in God or superpower at all, like my life has done like a complete wow. 180 basically in every single way because of Tony and like, I'm just blessed. I get to pass some of the stuff I've yeah. learned along the way to other people. Yeah. And that's what it like. That's a beautiful segue too, because I think, you know, the suffering is a choice. We always, that's what we always hear, right? I mean, bad shit's going to happen. Corona's going to happen. You know, all the things are happening and it's suffering is the choice. And I think that, you know, part of the mission of She's the Owner is to take a thousand women to the event, however long that's going to take. It's not going to be two years anymore, obviously, but it'll, it's going to take some time now. But I think that's it. And I think, when, you know, again, like when it comes to masculine, feminine in our feminine energy, men and women, we recognize that there's so much more to everything, to life. Right. And I think, you know, I've taken a few people to UPW and, and just watching them wake up to that, like wake up to, I mean, everything you just listed off is incredible. Like, and that's in a really short amount of time, but you're open to it. And I think when I, when I think about personal development, I was, there's definitely times when I'm like, okay, I need to fucking slow down here because I'm consuming everything constantly and I'm doing too many things. And I think there's that burnout potential too, right? Like too many events, too many, like last year I did eight altogether, I think it was. And I was like, I was burnt out. No, no, maybe not eight, maybe five, but I was burned out. Like I needed to, and so hello, now I'm like, Hey, I'm okay now. Let's get this shit back on the road. <laughs> All right. But it's, it is one of those things where when, you know, people think, oh, you're going to another event or, oh, you're doing another course. And oh, yeah, you're damn right I am. Because this year compared to last year, the, the shit I've learned about myself is like, you can't even describe it. You know, my relationships, like even our little tribe, our huge tribe, but our little tribe, like all the girlfriends we have now, even in the last six months to a year, I know I can call you anytime. If I'm really struggling, I know I can pick up a phone and you will help me. And yeah. I think 
that's the sisterhood too that's really built out of this out of personal development is like Katie Carlson and I've become really close. She was on the show a couple of weeks ago as well. She was at my first UPW in 20, um, 2018. And it's like this, there's this feeling of our collective feminine energy coming together now to shift everything. And I think it's, and it's because it is for me because of Tony and Byron Katie and Alison Armstrong, like those are the, the teachers I pay attention to. And I think this is how we're going to change things because, and, and mature masculine too, right? Like there's so many wounded masculine men out there that are killing people yeah. that are doing all these horrible, horrible things, causing wars. Women, it, people in their, in their mature feminine would never do any of those things ever, right? ever. And I think, you know, as a whole, it's, it's important that we have these conversations because I really, really sincerely believe this is what's going to shift everything. Like the way you show up in your male dominated industry is going to shift things. The way I show up in my business, it's going to shift things. And I think, um, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a weird time, but it's a beautiful time. And it's beautiful because I think we're able to have these conversations openly and with so much heart that, um, that's going to be the change. So, on that note, my dear, thank you so much for uh, this time. To we're yeah, we're past it. I knew we'd go. Past, I'm always. I got to start booking these longer because as soon as we <laughs> get going, it's like oh, two hours. Oh, great. Um, where can people find you if they want to buy your book or get some information about financial stuff? How can they? Yeah. Find so you? the best way to contact me is directly on my website, veronicacaris.com. Or um, I always say this, call me, right? So mm. 347-445-2452. I know that's old school. Call me, text Love me, it. Facebook me. My name is the same everywhere. If you Google it, you'll find my book. Veronicacaris.com also has my phone number on it. Um, just to wrap up on one thing you were saying is, you know, the biggest thing that I took away from Tony that forever changed my life is, Horrible things happen and it's not your fault, but what you do is your responsibility. And 100%. so, um, you know, for me, that was, a, that was the magic shift is that like, no one's going to come to me and tell me how to handle anything that's coming in life. It's up to me. So mm. it changed my life to view things like that. And so every day I wake up and I say, what is it? What is my responsibility to shift today? What can I shift? What can I change today? How can I make that 1% improvement, 1% impact. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And, um, yeah, are you, I can't wait to see you. I'm going to be crewing like everything possible (laughs) as long as the Canadian border opens. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the show. I will see you soon and, uh, take care. Bye. Thank you. Cheers. (laughs) 